Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. An angel spoke it into an impossible situation. He said, for, she, he said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, now, you need to hear that with your spirit this morning. For with God, nothing, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Doesn't matter what the doctors have said. Doesn't matter what your finances are telling you. Doesn't matter how long the situation has gone on. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The Amplified says this. No word of God is void of power or impossible to be, to be brought into completion. Oh, somebody lift their hands and thank God. If you're facing an impossible situation, just receive a miracle this morning. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you. Nothing is impossible with you. We glorify your name. We exalt you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My, 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 what a wonderful anointing in here. Let's just take, let's not be in a hurry. Amen? Let's not be in a hurry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and worship God. Always be quick to hook up. Always be quick to hook up with the anointing, with the Spirit of God, what it desires to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we live years and gather age. In my particular Bible study, I, I, I have a Bible that I'm reading, that I'm going through and studying, and then I have my preaching Bible that I study out of. But in my own personal Bible study, I've just come through, uh, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, I've come through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, and I'm into Deuteronomy now. I'm almost into, I'm through the book of First John in the New Testament, I read the Psalms and Proverbs over and over continually on a monthly basis. But as I've come through the law, the Pentateuch, the books of law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, I notice something about the strength of the elderly, the strength of Moses, the strength of Joshua, and the strength of Caleb. Three men that served God when everybody around them turned from the Lord, a whole generation turned from God, the Bible says of Moses that he regained at age 120 the strength of his youth. Now what does that mean? Joshua at age 80 was given a nation at age 80. Caleb at age 84 said, give me my mountain. Now listen, I don't know how society has been successful in saying to us, you know, live out your life, Retire, get sick, get old and die. That's a lie. If you're 40, if you're 50, if you're 60, all these commercials, once you get this age, you need to begin to expect this, expect that. that that's a lie. They had strength in a lesser covenant. We ought to have strength in a greater covenant. Never accept anything into your life because you're gathering years. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. They say, well, oh, you're more subject to disease. You're... No, you ought to be older but wiser. Older but wealthier. Older but healthier. Older but more blessed than you've ever been in your life. Come on, church. So we're not going to grow old and die. We're going to grow old and live. Hallelujah. So lift your hands up and thank God for renewing your strength right now. For just renewing your strength physically in your body. Thank you, Father, for renewing our strength this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that strength comes into us, no matter what our age may be. We thank you, Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. It belongs to us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We come, uh, and uh, usually he's, your pastor's been gone somewhere, and, and, um, and that's been a, a privilege to fill in here and preach for him. But uh, it's great to have him here. 
And uh, he's, you, you, your church, your pastor have been a friend to my ministry, and I just appreciate that very much. Uh, very generous, very friendly place, uh, ex- with just a few exceptions. Uh, but most everybody here is really nice. Uh, if you're a visitor, please come back uh, next week, because if you don't, your pastor is going to think I ran you off. Uh, let me just give you a joke. You want to hear a joke? How many of you are here in the first service? How many of you were trying to get here for the first service, but this is about as soon as you could make it here? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, well, let me read this joke. Uh, we want to keep things happy. The world's got enough pain and suffering and problems, and we got answers. We've got good news here. Jesus is Lord. God's on the throne. The Bible's true, and it's all right to smile. It's kind of welcome relief in these, in these hours. Not, you know, even the comedians aren't funny anymore. Everybody's just so edgy and so angry and so upset. Uh, it's time for the church to take the lead, and show people how to relax, how to enjoy life, how to enjoy each other. Amen. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not bitter. I'm not resentful. I'm not a mean, ugly, uh, mad preacher. I've got good news. Well, I got a good joke here. You want to hear the joke? All right. An elderly couple had just learned how to send text messages on their cell phones. I haven't got to the punchline yet, but I appreciate the courtesy laugh. <laughs> the wife was a romantic type, and the husband was more of a no-nonsense guy. Have you ever seen that? All right. One afternoon, the wife went out to meet a friend for coffee, and she decided to send her t- husband a romantic text message. And she wrote, if you're sleeping, send me your dreams. If you're laughing, send me your smile. If you're eating, send me a bite. If you're drinking, send me a sip. If you're crying, send me your tears. I love you. Yeah, I know. It's nauseating, isn't it? Um, Her husband texted back and said, I'm on the toilet. Please advise. I like that. (laughs) We better stand up together. Let's all stand up. I might have to get the worship team back up here. I have a word to share with you uh, today, and you're going to have to help me. Uh, this is not just a sermon. It's something that God is doing in my life, and I believe something that God's doing here uh, in your church. And we're all flowing with the same spirit, I can tell you that. In fact, I, I, I marvel when I come here and I see the move of God in your church compared to what's going on in our church. They're very, very similar, and uh, it's very much, it makes me feel at home. But I know you feel that way when pastor comes to our church, you guys just fit right in and flow. And so it's the same Holy Ghost. And just not everybody's listening to him, but that's another sermon. Uh, But thank God for the move of the Spirit. But but help me today. Help me to share this with you, and, and I want you to get what God's been speaking to me. So let's pray. Father, speak to us today. Uh, lead us and guide us in the Holy Ghost and give me utterance to say what you want me to say with power and accuracy, Lord, as it ought to be spoken. And give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. And I thank you for that. I thank you that every heart is open, every ear is receptive, and, and, uh, and that the Word of God and the will of God will be done in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. And I see my buddy... George out there. We went uh, on a tour of Israel together, and we were roommates. And I have earplugs still. To this day, I have earplugs because George, he was, uh, I wouldn't say he's a light sleeper. I'd say he's a heavy sleeper. And, but the funny thing is, my wife says I snore now, and I don't believe it. I, I sleep all the time, I, uh, hotel rooms all over the country, I've never heard myself snore at all. So anyway, it's good to see George here. He greeted me at the door. Praise God. What a wonderful blessing. Uh, turn to John chapter 3, if you would. John chapter 3, and uh, we're going to start with verse 1. 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So if he was a Pharisee, he's an educated man. He's an intelligent man. He's very well-versed, well-spoken, well-read. And he was a ruler. So he was a leader of the people. And he came to Jesus by night. So he was intrigued by who Jesus was. And, and, and he's about to meet God and Nicodemus, being trained in, in all the ways of the, of the, the, the law, and the, the Old Testament, uh, was interested to know this Jesus and to be with him. And so he gets his encounter with God and he says this. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And can I say just up front here that to me, that's just a little weak. And you're supposed to be an educated man in religion, and you get to meet God for the first time face to face, and that's the best you can do? I mean, he holds the universe in his hands. He's got wisdom uh, that, that's, that's, you know, incredible resource of wisdom, and, and, and he didn't ask anything. He really didn't, he really didn't make much sense other than we know you're come from God you and we don't really know who you are but we're interested it's like is that it that's all you got and Jesus was so merciful and so kind and so tender that Jesus just stepped in and Jesus answered the question that Nicodemus should have asked do you know that people are so far from God today, they don't even know the question, much less the answer. They don't even know what to ask. They don't know how to interact with God. They barely know how to interact with Christians. They don't know how to interact with preachers. Take my word for that. And, and they don't know what to ask. And Jesus was so kind. He says, let me tell you something, Nicodemus. You must be born again. If you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. See, Nicodemus should have said something like this. You're God and I'm man. What do you want from me? What do I need to do? How do I get right? How do I make heaven my home? How can I be what you want me to be? That's what he should have asked, but he, he didn't have enough intelligence, enough interest, enough hunger, whatever, to ask the question, but didn't stop Jesus. He answered it anyway. And I see in this little story the world as Nicodemus and us as Jesus. And instead of being angry and bitter and mad and resentful, I have compassion on the world, sympathy for the world. Listen, they're so messed up. They're so confused. They're so angry. They're so busy trying to prove their point that they don't even know what questions they ought to be asking. But we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our job to step in that gap. It's our job to reach out a hand. It's our job to answer the question that nobody's asking. Are you getting this? Let, let me read it again. The man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one, no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. The world doesn't know what to do. They're losing control. Our leaders don't know what to do. The answer today is not in politics. It's not money. It's not getting along with other nations. It's not just nuclear disarmament. The answer today is Jesus. We know the answer. Now, they're not asking the question, but we know the answer. 
Let us step up like Jesus did. And instead of insulting Nicodemus and putting him in his place and saying, look, you spent your whole life studying. You finally meet your Messiah and that's all you can do. I know the world's got problems. I know they've lost their mind. I know they've got quirks. I know they ought to shape up. I know that sin's killing them. But, but, but we've got to rise up and say, there is an answer. God's not mad at you. God's not holding your sins against you. God's not here to judge you. God wants you to be right. He wants you born again. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? I'm going to step down here. Is that all right? Even if we're streaming, I did this last week, and they said, no, get back up there. So I ran back up. I don't know. Everybody's got different rules. Um, so, so, so we've got to get the message back or get the dialogue back where it belongs. There are many things that are going on in these days that are trying to, the, the enemy's trying to make us look like we're not in touch, that we're not relevant, that we don't have anything to say, that we're somehow exclusive and that we don't like other people. We think we're better than everyone else and we, we're homophobic or we're bigots or we're angry or we're racist and none of that's true. We represent God Almighty and he loves everybody. And, and, and I don't appreciate the world putting words in my mouth. Don't tell me what I'm saying. Don't tell me what I think. Let me tell you. God loves you. God wants to reach you. There's division and dividing going up, and everybody's supposed to be mad at everybody. But, but there's, there's an answer to this madness, and his name is Jesus. And my message to you is answer the question. It's frustrating because they don't ask the right question. We've got to quit waiting for the world to ask us the right question and start giving them the right answer. And I, 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 you can go down the list. There are many of them, but one of them that's especially frustrating to me is, is when you see these specials on outer space and the, the vastness of the universe and the precision and the beauty, and they, they do these documentaries on outer space, and I'm fascinated by it. And they get to the end after you see all this amazing stuff and they go, which all of this leads us to the question. And I'm thinking, yeah. Could there be life on other planets? And I'm thinking, no, wrong question. You'll never get to the truth by asking that one. Wrong question. The question is, who made this? Who did this? This is impossible that it just happened. It's not an accident. Who did this? But they don't ask. That doesn't mean we can't answer. It's Jesus that stepped back and said, Nicodemus, let me help you. You, sh you got to be born again. Amen. Amen. They want the church to get into a political debate, a debate on the issues. Listen, you don't have to weigh in on every issue. You don't have to take sides on every, every controversy. That's not necessary. That's not our job. Our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is to bring people back to the answer. They say, what do you think about gay marriage? Well, first of all, I don't think much about it. I don't, I'm not laying around at night thinking about gay marriage. That's not the top on my list. I got bills to pay. I got things to do. But, but they want that. See, they want the debate. They want to, 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 to create this, this dissension. We got to quit playing that game. So I'm not going to answer that. Why not? Because I don't have to. So, so God's been dealing with me about this for the last few months, and, and I've, been, I've, been, I've been going over these things in my spirit, in my heart, and one night I was in bed meditating, just thinking about the things of God, and I couldn't get this out of my head. You'll forgive me later, but, but this name kept coming to me, Lady Gaga. Shame on you for even knowing who that is. You shouldn't even know who that is. Now, I'm not that old, 
But I never thought that we'd in our lifetime ever see one person outdo Madonna as far as perversion and, and, and shock. But she's done it. Bless her little heart. There's another group called the Goo Goo Dolls. Have you heard of them? I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if they went on tour together and you could call it Goo Goo Gaga? <laughs> hey, and there's people who believe in evolution. Can you believe that? It doesn't look like things are going up. It looks like things are going down fast. She's got this uh, song and this tour called Born That Way. Born That Way. And their whole premise is, you think we're all wrong, but we can't help it, and we were born like this. Now, what are you going to do with that? And they try to stick it in your face and shove it down your throat, and you got to condone it, and you got to say it's okay. But I don't have to say anything about it. I don't want to get into that argument. I'm not going to sit here and debate with you about lifestyle preferences, and I don't care if you go date a tree. Not my, I never, I didn't make the rules. Obviously, if you want to know what the Bible says, it's very specific, but I'm not going to get into that right now. You know why? Because that's not the issue. Wrong question. They want to put words in your mouth and disqualify everything else you have to say because you're not sensitive or you're not inclusive or whatever. I'm not going to get into that discussion. I wasn't sent here to debate. I'm going to answer the question. And let me ask you a question. Maybe you were born that way or maybe you weren't. Forget that. Do you want to die like that? That's the question. You want to die that way because you don't have to. There's an answer. There's hope. There's a God in heaven. Jesus gave his life for you and you can be saved and redeemed and saved free I want to ask you a question are you happy are you full of love do you know God let's answer that one let me ask the questions we cannot let them dominate the dialogue because they don't know what to say and they don't know what to answer they don't know what to ask let's be bigger than that not angry not bitter I don't have an ax to grind. I'm not an old, bitter, cynical preacher. I could be, but I just refuse it. Everybody could be. Everybody's been through stuff. Everybody's been done wrong. Forget it. We're, we, life's too short to be mad. And it's way too short to be scared. And I've found that the more I love the world, the less mad I am at the world and the less afraid I am of the world. Perfect love casts out fear. So, brings me to my next revelation in bed at night. Like a lightning bolt from heaven, it came to me. And it's simple, but it's powerful, and there's no defense against it. You want to know what it is? John 3, 16. Same chapter, same story punchline end of argument no more debate for God so loved the world they want to argue about lifestyles and sins and personal failures and whatever right is and whatever wrong is and you can't legislate morality I don't want to talk about that right now let me tell you something God loves you and he gave his only begotten son Think about it. You're, you're, you're dealing with a world that is, that is angry and everybody's got a cause and everybody's got a, an offense and everybody's ready to be offended. And along comes John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Got a problem with that? You want to argue that? Are you offended yet? That he gave his only begotten son. You got a problem with free gifts? Are you resentful yet that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life? You want life? You want to live forever in his presence? Do you want to be forgiven? Oh, yeah, they ought to be saying, God, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? 
I believe you exist. Now, how do I please you? How do I get right? But they're not. But that doesn't mean that we have to wait until they figure out the right question. We can answer the question, even if they don't ask. Amen. Amen. Now, now, John chapter 4, another story. Let me just say it this way. For God so loves the world, and so do I. For God so loves sinners, and so do I. Jesus was very tender towards sinners. Now, he was really tough on hypocrites. We'll deal with them next week. <laughs> he was tough on, on hypocrites, people who knew better. But when it came to sinners, he loved sinners. Now, listen, it's easy to fall into this trap where you get so caught up with the fact that God hates sin that you forget he loves sinners. But he loves sinners. Do you hate sin? Yes. I see what it does to people. I hate it. But you can't just get rid of the sin without getting rid of the sinner. you got to get rid of the sinner. In order to do that, they got to be born again. They haven't had an encounter with Jesus Christ. If we got every sinner in the world to quit sinning, they'd still go to hell. And that's the, mis- that's the whole misinformation, the whole struggle between the church and the world is the world thinks we're mad at them because of all the things they do. Maybe some folks are mad at them because of the things they do. But I'm not because I know they could just receive a savior, a, a, a healer, a deliverer, and they wouldn't do those things anymore. They don't have to live that way. They don't have to die that way. They don't have to have those bondages. So, so you answer the question that nobody asks, even if they're telling you there is no God. Forget, forget that. Don't argue that. That's not our argument. We weren't sitting here to prove there's a God. You just pass right over that and say, would you like to know him? There is no heaven. Would you like to go there? There is no life after death. Would you like to secure it forever? Forget all that. That's just babbling. They don't know what to ask. But truth has a way of getting in their heart. Truth has a way of bypassing all the chatter and getting to the heart of the matter. We've got to speak truth. Be ready, church, because they're coming. Be ready, church, because they're going to be listening. Be ready, church. They're going to be ready for an answer, and we've got it. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get caught up in these senseless arguments. Keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus went to this well, and there was a woman there of Samaria, and he was thirsty, and he was sitting there, and he said, could you give me a drink? Remember the story? Would you give me a drink? That's not real complex, is it? Give me a drink. And she said, it's so funny, because she was so ready to be offended, wasn't she? She says, what are you? A Jew asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink. What does that mean? That means we have discriminations that are clearly marked in this world, and you stay in your little box. We don't like you, and you don't like us. Our people don't like your people, and your people don't like our people, and it's gone on for years. Get back in your box and keep resenting us, and we'll keep resenting you, and then every, it's the, the world is a logical place. Huh? Hey, discrimination's been going on since the beginning of time. This is not a new thing. I love Jesus, don't you? He didn't even, you know, he didn't even say, well, you know, you're right. <laughs> we don't like you very much. I don't really care for you either. But I'm really thirsty, and I'm willing to overlook it today. Just give me a drink, and then we'll get back in our little boxes, and we'll hate each other some more. That's not what he said. You know, it's like, lady, wrong question. You're having a meeting with God and you don't even realize it and you're standing before God and you're asking him about discrimination. Are you kidding me? You're going to die and go to hell. He's standing right there. Ask something else. 
She didn't know any better. So you know what Jesus did? He helped her. Because he loves people. He said, I'm not going to resent you. You're not going to resent me. We're not going to get into that debate. I'm not going to go back into our history and pull up all those hurts. Forget it. Let me tell you something, lady. If you knew who was here, you'd ask him for living water. And he'd give you water. You drink this water, you'll never thirst again. And she went, you're not. When you want me to ask you. She said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Good question. She's getting warmer. That's better. Like, who are you, Jesus? You can get somewhere with that one. And he goes on. He just kept feeding her these lines, and she followed. Isn't that amazing to see Jesus deal with sinners? Oh, he could have come down on her for her sin. He could have condemned her. He could have told her to get her life right. And that's exactly what the world thinks. They think that we're so mad at them because they don't live the way we think they ought to live, that they got to get all cleaned up so they can come to church. And nothing could be further from the truth. God loves them right now. And so should you. Finally, she goes, sir, give me this water. Good question. Bingo. And then he turns it around again. You know what he said? He said, go get your husband. (laughs) Why did he do that? He had a convert. She was ready to convert. And he says, go get your husband. And she went, I'm single. He said, that's right, you're single, but you're living with somebody. You've had five husbands. The guy you're living with now is not your husband. You have offended me. No, why did he bring that up? Why did he even bring it up? Because he knew all about her all along, and he wanted her to know he knew. Are you with me? He wanted her to know he knew, and he still offered her living water. Is that not a lesson for us? Yeah, we know. We know. We know what they do, but we still have an answer. You know, this gay marriage issue, this whole gay issue is a wedge issue. Are are you with me? I use it as an example. But what the world wants to do is paint us out as as, as paint us as as bigots and homophobes. But the truth of the matter is, they need God as much as anybody else. We need to quit looking at people as demographic groups as political groups or racial groups or national groups. I don't know about you, but Jesus told us to go reach the whole world. We're here to reach all kinds of people. And if you look in this church, there are all kinds of people in this church. And we're all one in Christ. Did you know that Christ does away with all division of all kinds? He finally even said, in in the body of Christ, there's no male, there's no female, there's no bond or free, there's no Jew nor Greek, no male or female. I mean, he's doing away with all the different. When we get in him, we're one. He's pro-people. It's so helpful to love these people rather than hate them. It's so helpful to love them rather than be afraid of them. And I have to admit, uh, I have my hair done in a salon in, in, in Tulsa, and there was a, a gay, he didn't do my hair, but he, he <laughs> I, I wasn't comfortable around this guy. He was, he, you know, it was obvious that he was. And, and so, and then I'm the preacher, because everybody knows when you're a preacher, they all know that. And so you walk in, and it's like this, you know, he's waiting for me to judge him, and I'm waiting for him to judge me, and, and, and it's awkward, and, and nothing, is, nothing is really said. And then finally we broke the ice somehow about hair color, <laughs> which I'm totally into now. Um, I, I, 
That might be too much information. But somebody said the other day, but gray is so distinguishing, and I like your gray. I said, you know what? I would buy into that, except when I got it colored, somebody said, you look 10 years younger, and that was it. That's all of that one. I'll take that any day over wisdom. <laughs> Youth, I'll take it back. <laughs> So anyway, we're talking, and he starts to talk in a little bit, and it's just awkward. And and uh, but uh, but I, I you know there was a little bit of exchange, and then uh, a f- few times later he wasn't there, and I said, well, where where is he? And she said he was diagnosed with stage four cancer of the lungs. He's gone to hospice, no treatment, no hope. It's fatal. He's gone to die. And in four weeks, the man died, probably by himself. He had no family. And he probably went to hell. And I saw things differently. It's a face. It's a person who's an eternal being. He's going to live forever. And I was afraid of him. And I was angry. And I didn't know how to react. And you know what? I've decided that God loved the world. And so do I. We got to put faces on these people. And quit allowing the world to put us one against another. I don't care what they do. It's Jesus that's the issue. Jesus, he he can deliver them. The answer is, is, you know, not are you trying to legislate morality? You can't tell me how to live my life. I'm not trying to stop anybody from living their life. God gave them the free will to do whatever they want. But you know what? Uh, Are you happy? Some people are so busy defending their right to live the way they want, they forgot they're not happy and they're not free have no peace they have no future they have no fulfillment and the devil's a hard taskmaster he uses them up and throws them away and we've got to intervene and answer the question stop waiting for them to ask they don't know enough to ask life's too short we don't have to be mad it's not working being afraid is not working Love never fails. For God so loved the world. I like to use Billy Graham as a great example of someone who answered the question that nobody was asking. His son Franklin is just like him. If you've ever seen them on an interview, on any network, on any show, they always do the same thing. They always talk about Jesus. They always talk about how to be saved. They always tell people. They have a salvation message. It's, it's beautiful the way they do it. And they don't act angry. They're not offended. They're not trying to offend. They're just presenting the facts. And so I'll use this as an example, but you could ask Franklin Graham on national television, what do you think about the price of eggs in China? And I guarantee you, in some way or form, he would go, we love eggs and we love Chinese. And we think every Chinese person should have eggs. But even more than that, we'd like for every Chinese person to find Jesus Christ and make him their personal Savior. Because there's one thing more important than food in this world, and that's eternal life through Jesus Christ. They answer the question. There is the capacity in the human spirit to recognize truth when it comes. But it doesn't come through angry political debate and discourse. It comes when somebody cares enough to speak the truth into a dry, dull, void moment when, when people are on the wrong track, people are asking the wrong thing, looking the wrong direction, and then truth comes. We've got to be those that step in and answer the question. I've had the most amazing summer of my life. We got a boat, and I know you folks understand boats, do you not? I am a boater. I was a golfer. I thought that was, I gave golf up just like that for boating. I love boating. I love it. I'm a captain now. And my wife is my first mate. And we get out there, we have a ball. So we pulled him to this beach, because that's what you do in Oklahoma. You find a beach and you beach your boat. So we got all set up on this beach and we're all happy, like our own beach. Well, I didn't know that on the weekends, everybody comes in there. 
And they get out of their boats with their beers. And they're all over the place like ants. And there we are. I didn't know, but people have been going to that beach for 18 years. Several families. And then we're right in the middle of it. So it's always the same deal. So what do you do? I don't want to tell you. No, what do you do? I don't know. I don't want to tell you what I did. I didn't ask you what you did. Don't ask me what I do. I'm, I'm here to sit in the water like you. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm having fun on the beach. No, but what do you really do, really? Uh, I'm a preacher. What? <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a preacher. You, you're a preacher. Oh, now you may not have had this experience. I know you have. Oh, so oh, you're a preacher. Oh, you got a boat? Huh? Ties must be pretty good, preacher. It's always the same. They either hate preachers or they whatever, or they've been hurt. They all know scriptures, whatever, and so we didn't even, I didn't even let them get into it. I'm not going there, and so you, but they can't help it. They're like moths drawn to the light. Listen, get out there. Sinners are wonderful. So where do you preach? I said, well, I travel. You ever tried to explain the itinerant ministry to a sinner? They have no idea. I, I, I travel. Well, where's your church? Well, I don't have a church. Well, I thought you were a preacher. I am a preacher. Well, where do you preach? I preach everywhere. Where? I do anywhere. Well, like where? Where's your church? I don't have a church. So anyway, that goes on. And then they got serious, and they go, you, you probably don't like folks like us. It touched me. I said, well, we like everybody. Listen, I've been all over the world. I preach to all kinds of people. And so as your pastor, we know God loves people. I don't care what they look like or where they're from. I love people. I've seen them all with their hands in the air. I've seen them all with, with their eyes toward heaven. I've seen them stream, tears streaming to Russian people and, and European people and, and, and South American people. And I've been all over Africa with African people. I've even been to Canada. I like Canadians. I like the Mexicans. I married one. Everybody's mad at everybody. You know, everybody's supposed to be mad at the Mexicans because they're coming up. You know what? Let's just witness to them when they get here. It's not my job to tell people where they can and can't go. It's my job to tell them how to get to heaven. I'm not going to get into that debate. So, well, they're taking our jobs. They take my job. People say things, and we're all supposed to be mad at the Chinese. Let's all be mad at the Chinese. Yeah, let's be mad at a billion Chinese people. One out of every four kids is Chinese. One, two, three, Chinese, one, two, three, Chinese. (laughs) And we're supposed to be mad at them because they make stuff cheap. If you make stuff cheap, evidently, the world's supposed to be mad at you. I'm not going to be mad at Chinese. I'm not going to be mad at Mexicans. I'm not going to be mad at Canadians. I'm not going to be. I'm German. Everybody in the world's mad at Germans. We got no friends. Jesus didn't get into that. So they said, you probably, they said, you probably don't like us, people like us. So what do you mean people like you? Don't like, we love people. So, well, we, we're rednecks. <laughs> like, they don't know where I'm from. I'm from southeast Missouri. You can't get more redneck than that. They said, we're rednecks and we drink beer. And I knew that because they had them. And I said, I said, you know what? We love all people. I said, and I'm not even going to get into the debate with you on alcohol because that's not why I came here. I said, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you what to drink or what to listen to or who to talk to. That's not my job. They said, really? I said, that's right. I said, cool. You want a beer? I said, no, I don't, I don't want a beer. <laughs> he offered 
offer me a beer. I said, no, I don't drink beer, but, I, but I, I'm not here to judge you. And I'm telling you, before the day was over, I, I'm confessing here, I guess, but there's like 12 or 14 of them on top of my boat <laughs> with my wife and I drinking beer and talking about God. And one of them was asking my wife because they got her off to the side. She has quite a testimony. She lost her husband in an automobile accident and one of her children, and God restored her. And so anyway, they got my wife off because they weren't satisfied with my answers. They said, what does he really do? I mean, what does he do? She said, he's a preacher. Where does he preach? Well, everywhere. And so anyway, she starts telling her testimony. They're just crying. I pull up on the jet ski, and they go, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. Will you baptize our kids? I said, I'd be happy to baptize your kids. I can't do it right now. we got to have a Bible study. Really? Why? I said, well, I want them to understand what we're doing. He said, good idea. I said, well, I want all the parents to be there too. We'll have a Bible study, and we'll teach on baptism, and I'll baptize all your kids. He said, cool. Isn't that amazing? So, we, so we're up there on top of the boat, and, and, and he starts sharing this ringleader. He starts saying, you know, um, Carol's sharing her testimony with us last night, and it touched me. He said, it's getting to me right now. And everybody's up there going, you know, it's getting serious. And God gave me a word. You know, God will give you a word of knowledge for sinners. God gave me a word. He'd given it to me earlier, and I knew this was the time to give it because it was getting way too, you, you know, there's an ebb and a flow. And I said, let me tell you something, Justin. I said, I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time. He said, what? And everybody's there. I said, Jesus loves you. And everybody's like, I said, now, personally, I don't care that much for you, but Jesus really loves you. Oh, they were just like, this is great. I want to come to your church. I don't have a church. Well, I thought you were a preacher. <laughs> I am. Well, where's your church? I said, I don't have a church, but you can come to my church where I attend. Anyway, so we're, but, but the, the transformation is, look, it's, it's too late to get mad at the world. They've messed everything up. We could sit here and tell you truth after truth after truth about how Washington has messed up the greatest nation on the face of the earth, but that's not going to fix anything. We got to go back to what we were raised up for and do what we were created to do and answer the question, preach the gospel and love people. Let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have ever everlasting life wow interject that into the debates we're having into the hate that's going on in the world today interject that into the hopelessness that you see on the faces of our young people who can't find jobs let's put that into the mix somebody forgot to ask the question oh they'll never ask that question but that doesn't stop us from answering it for God so loved the world, and so, so do I. It's so much better to love sinners and to love people and to quit looking at them as groups, political movements. They're people, and they need Jesus. Are you getting this? From, now, now, look, I'm not trying to belittle sin at all. But sin's not what's keeping them out of heaven. You know that, right? Jesus is the cure. If we got them all sinless, they'd still go to hell. I'd rather die loving the world than live hating the world. So they might take advantage of you. Yeah? Ask Jesus. He made the choice. We need to follow in his footsteps. He came and loved and did good deeds, never sinned, and they crucified him. So is there a risk? Yeah. But what else is worth living for? What's left worth doing? Let's take a stand. Let's take a position. Let's represent God. Not an angry God. Not, an, not a mad, judgmental God, a condemning God, but a loving God. Let's represent that to a dying world.
And we may hate sin. We don't have to hate sinners. Hallelujah. Did you get a, an injection this morning? You know, I don't know. I just got so weary of, of being stirred up about this group and this group and this group and what they're doing to this, to this country and to the world. You know what? I, I, Lady Gaga is on her way to hell, and she's taking people with her. That's the big picture. I don't care what their little debates are along the way. The big question is, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to die that way. There is an answer. Let me give you this scripture. Maybe this will, this will help pull it all together. And it's in 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Listen to this as I read it because it so speaks to, to, to us as the church, the representatives of, of God. It says in verse 2 Timothy 2, 23, he says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, oh God, grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and then that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That ought to generate a little bit of sympathy and compassion. That these people, as loud and boisterous and as confident as they may look, they've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. And we can help get them free. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith